This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Facebook has blocked Australian users from sharing or viewing news content on their platform. And this has caused so much alarm over the public access to key information. And this comes in response to a proposal law which will make tech giants pay for news uh, content, especially on uh, the Facebook platform. And just imagine waking up uh, in the morning to find that Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Twitter has uh, blocked all uh, their pages uh, of which you rely on with regards to local and global news. Hmm? It is a situation that you wouldn't wish to be in, right? And that wouldn't, wouldn't be a good feeling, especially as a content consumer like myself. Now that uh, I rely on social media 24-7-365. And also, I did manage to find out that more than 2.4 billion people in the world rely on social media for news, with over 64.5% receiving breaking news from social media. And in Australia, the ban sparked an immediate backlash with many Australians angry about their sudden loss of access to trusted and authoritative sources such as Facebook, Twitter, and other platforms. And what does this mean to the rest of the world, including South Africa? And with Facebook being one of uh, the crucial platforms that people receive emergency updates about the pandemic and national disasters, does this mean consumers continue to shift away from traditional media sources for their news and moving more towards social media to find use? Well, the question is, will social media continue to be a main source of news in the future? Kevin Smogarere joins us to share his independent tech insights on whether social media will continue to be a main source of news in the future. He is a qualified chartered accountant, digital tech innovator, a tech entrepreneur, is also part of the 2020 South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, Top 35 Under 35. Good morning, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Harvey. Uh, thanks for having me and good morning to the listeners. I mean, Kevin, social media platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, they provide crucial ways that people receive emergency updates. And I found out about the first COVID-19 case in South Africa on Twitter and Facebook uh, through their platforms. And now, uh, to my surprise, I mean, Facebook has blocked Australian users from sharing or viewing news content on the platform. And this has caused so much alarm uh, over the public access uh, to key information, especially in Australia. What led to this decision? So, Harvey, it appears that um, over time, due to the impact of the internet on the media space and media publishers to be specific. Um, the internet um, has sort of challenged how media houses make money or derive revenue from advertising because in essence, with the internet, social media platforms have become a very strong avenue for digital marketing. Um, for example, in Australia, which is you know the country that has sparked this debate, every 100 Australian dollars that are spent on digital ads or digital marketing um, accounts for within that about 81 Australian dollars going towards big 
social platforms and digital platforms such as Google and Facebook. Now, what this has sort of sparked a debate about is how sustainable is this for the media industry in, in general? And in Australia, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission um, made a study into the impact of digital marketing on the media industry and found that there was a bit of an imbalance between the influence and power that tech giants, especially social media tech giants, have with regards to access to information versus traditional media houses and outlets. So as a result of this, a new kind of law which would seek to level the playing field between tech giants um, and media outlets was proposed. And there's an ongoing discussion about that particular uh, law. The law, in essence, intends to um, incentivize and also in some cases make it mandatory for tech giants to pay media outlets or media publishers for content um, and specifically news that in essence is published um, on social media platforms uh, being shared from the original source, which is the media uh, publisher. Now, tech giants such as Facebook um, and also Google feel that in essence, you know, media platforms and media outlets actually benefit from social media platforms when it comes to the sharing of news. They feel that more traffic is actually drawn to media publications. But on the other hand, the business model of traditional media houses um, is not successfully competing in relation to advertising revenue. And advertising revenue has to do with you know, how many clicks or how much eyes land on a particular publication or an article. And all of that is somehow being ring-fenced on social media platforms because that is where more and more users are accessing all of this information and are not in all cases being re-diverted back to the media platforms where the original pieces are published. So this is resulting in marketers um, and also brands essentially pulling away um, budgets to advertise on the social me on the media platforms, given that most users spend more of their time reading the news on the social media uh, sites, such as Facebook and, and on Google. And what this is doing is it's eating into the longevity of media publications because they're losing quite a big chunk of previously earned advertising revenue to the social media platforms. So Facebook and sort of the likes in retaliation, um, as could be said by popular public uh, opinion at this point, decided um, to ban the sharing of news pieces and content um, on their platform within Australia. And this has caused quite a lot of public uproar because members of the public feel that this is unfair. But at the same time, it appears that some of these tech giants are trying to make a stance and a clear communication to you know, the Australian governments and other governments to come. That if they do continue um, with this proposed structure of law around social media platforms paying media outlets, um, there could be consequences around, you know, how news is freely shared um, on social media platforms 
And ultimately, the person who may suffer is the daily user of the social media platform who relies on social media um, for news. Now, now, Kevin, what what does this mean to the rest of the world? Does it mean as a South African now I can't access certain pages in Australia? And let's take it local. How is it going to affect the relationship that we have in South Africa uh, with uh, the Australian government? So at this point in time, the ban of news sharing from Australia means that local and international news publications um, cannot essentially be accessed on Facebook within Australia. But also, um, on the other hand, it is banning um, media publishing houses in Australia from posting their news uh, publications on um, Facebook. So we are essentially cut off, let's say from a South African perspective, to what's happening in the news world of Australia. And so are they um, cut off from what's happening in our world in relation to news. So what this essentially means at this point in time for us in South Africa is that we may not be able to access Australian news through a social media platform such as Facebook. We may need to go directly to the source or any other sources which have not essentially banned the sharing of news links from Australian publications at this point. And similarly, Australians may need to go to other alternative uh, platforms to obtain news from South Africa in certain instances. So I think also broadly speaking, one needs to watch how this is going to evolve around the world. Um, as you know, hit by the COVID-19 pandemic, many industries, including the media publishing industry, have suffered a lot. Um, there is quite a lot of news flying around about job cuts, salary cuts, media publishing houses closing down. And governments may be put in a place to essentially defend that particular industry. The media industry and media publishing industry specifically is very much necessary in any economy where reliable information needs to be shared. So from a South African perspective, it will be interesting to watch um, if this will influence the South African government, as we're seeing other governments around the world being influenced, to perhaps um, do something around the impact um, of social media access to news on the media publishing industry in order to level the playing field and give a bit more longevity to, you know, some of the media names which are well known to put out, you know, well-trusted information and news into the public arena. I mean, Kevin, the emergence of COVID-19 and the introduction of lockdown has seen traditional platforms such as the TV news channels gaining uh, tremendous viewership uh, just because we're locked in our homes and some of us were away from you know the Jobek city and uh, various campuses where the wi-fi is free and it got me thinking about the role of social media amid the COVID-19 and uh, the lockdown period uh, how has it played would you say social media has played a positive role uh, also looking at the fact you are a few weeks ago, we spoke about 
uh, the 5G, uh, of which uh, it was said to cure COVID-19, part of the fake news. Let's talk about the influence and the impact of social media during the COVID-19 pandemic period. So based on um, some public sources um, in recent times, the online news space in South Africa, for example, during the COVID-19 pandemic, has seen an uptake of about 76% in terms of online news site traffic. Um, And it's very important to note because as the COVID-19 pandemic landed by surprise and lockdown regulation was sort of imposed on the public in terms of movement, and being, you know, in public spaces, people found themselves, you know, sitting at home more um, due to the new regulations. And what this caused was, you know, a mind shift in terms of what should sources of news uh, be. So instead of going out there to potentially buy a physical newspaper or magazine, I think more and more people have had to resort to digital sources of news. And hence the uptake um, in online news traffic during the COVID-19 pandemic. So when it comes to the type of news that has been out there or the types of news that have, you know, sort of popularly been in, you know, the digital space and on social media platforms, there's been a lot of useful information, especially around the pandemic. Um, I think a finding that has come out of various studies is that news definitely spreads faster on social media platforms than traditional um, news avenues. So in terms of getting information quickly, um, social media and digital online platforms played a big role in keeping people informed much more rapidly, um, much more on the spot. And also, I think in terms of the variety of news that was being collected, given that, you know, the internet is a free place for all kinds of people to post whatever information they have. So it was useful for that in that people could rely on, you know, the fast-paced nature of the internet and social media to be informed about what are the key hotspots where COVID is currently and how do you therefore protect yourself. However, on the downside, um, fake news is definitely part of the equation. I think it was interesting to see how, especially when it came to myths, you know, such as 5G, when it came to myths around the the coronavirus, that, you know, certain influences in different spaces, um, those could be politicians, those those could be celebrities and other public figures. Um, Those influences essentially played quite a role in putting out all kinds of information because of the influence that they have on public opinion. Um, In some instances, their influence was legitimate in that, you know, their information was informed by uh, verified sources. But in other instances, there's information that was put out there by influential people and platforms and social media that was not verified and therefore was incorrect and resulted in false information being spread and going viral through the internet and hence the notion of fake news. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword and I think this is also something to think about um, as you know, social media 
um, and the internet at large becomes more of an avenue for people to engage with information um, in as much as it needs to be a liberal and free space for various aspects of society to express you know, their, themselves and spread information. There needs to be a step in by certain regulators, and potentially this is what we're seeing by the Australian government, to somehow make sure that there's a healthy balance of you know, false information versus real information. And at the same time that, you know, the, the, the players in the space, whether it's media publishers, whether it's influencers or whether it's tech giants, do not get too much of a control in terms of, you know, the information industry and in that, you know, the information that's put out is biased in their particular favor, depending on whatever underlying factors that may drive their particular bias. So I think it's what is quite clear is during the COVID-19 pandemic, We've seen the usefulness of the internet for the spread of information. But of course, there are certain, you know, um, effects of that, which I think need to be managed up front. All right, uh, Kevin Smogarer, I think you managed to put that very well. If you just tune in right now, we are joined by Kevin Smogarer. It is the Monday Tech Insights feature. And today we're talking about social media. What about social media? Will social media continue to be a main source of news in the future, we have seen amid uh, the COVID-19 pandemic that we relied uh, on uh, social media for news updates. And the question is, Kevin, well, which social media platforms are we mostly relying on, especially in South Africa? Because I saw the stats uh, when it comes to the percentage of USA adults who get news on each social media sites. And uh, the stats did prove that, well, 43% of adults from 18 uh, to 35 rely on Facebook, uh, 21% rely on YouTube, Twitter, uh, it's 12%. And it got me thinking about we here in South Africa, because we have seen an emergence of young people uh, getting more information on TikTok. We've seen the emergence of young and old people joining TikTok and also getting some of uh, the awareness through the TikTok platform. I know you might not have uh, the actual stats, but perhaps based on your perspective and based on your research, which social media do you uh, perhaps uh, find some Africans relying on? Is it Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok? So I think um, it depends on, you know, which part of society a particular consumer of information comes from. Um, so I think certain uh, social media platforms are definitely more popular to some uh, segments of society than others. So, you know, Facebook definitely is an overarching popular platform, I think, for many social media users and therefore is probably one of the more significant sources of breaking news and news at large. Um, Twitter is another. Um, however, the interesting thing to note about um, platforms such as Twitter, where information um, is, is largely driven by popularity um, based on algorithms. How many times is it shared? How many times is it, it's, is it liked? Um, I think it's been interesting to see the emergence of uh, popularism in relation to certain types of information. And the problem with that is there's not always a broad 
I think, spectrum of information, which covers more aspects of what is happening in our society, as opposed to what does just the popular, you know, circle um, within the Twitter platform, as an example, um, engage with. So if you go onto certain platforms, which are based on, you know, trending um, uh, popularism, I think you might not get a broad enough spectrum of information. And that's what we're seeing with the likes of some platforms. Um, there are also others, like you've mentioned, TikTok, Instagram, WhatsApp. Um, in many instances, WhatsApp, um, because, you know, it's all about person-to-person communication, depending on, you know, how well they know you, because that's a direct contact. Um, WhatsApp, in some cases, has also been a growing platform for fake news. Uh, we've even seen uh, um, the South African government come out at different times um, in collaboration with tech companies such as WhatsApp to warn people against the spreading of false information around the COVID-19 pandemic and to sort of educate people about the consequences of, of doing so. Um, so you may find that WhatsApp, for a certain segment of our society, is also a source of news. But the concerning, um, I think, phenomenon about it is how much fake news as well circulates through a communication platform such as, you know, the likes of WhatsApp, because popularly that's what um, people have been using it for. Um, So I think those are some of the major, um, you know, social media platforms to, uh, I think, highlight in the space. I think also you can't negate or ignore the fact that Google as well is definitely a main portal to a lot of news publications. Um, but I think something interesting to, to watch going forward is as some of these laws uh, come into place to regulate how social media platforms sort of share revenue uh, with media publications, what is the consequence going to be? And it, I think it would be a bit of a tragedy um, personally, to see a new uh, business model around social media platforms where because of the cost of legitimate news from media houses and outlets that, you know, built into the systems may now be a preference towards um, news from um, media publishers and outlets that do not require payment for that particular information or news that might expose us to a whole new world of additional fake news or biased news, because where something is not paid for, there may be a lack of quality control, a lack of fact-checking. And it would be a little bit scary and dangerous to live in a world where every time we go onto a social media platform where we spend most of our time you know, most of the news that we see is information that is, in essence, can't be trusted. But because we keep being fed this information, you know, we ultimately start to believe it. And, and that has dire consequences for the stability of many things in our society. And I mean, Kevin, um, these chain messages where you'd be sent messages about a certain number blocking people or a certain number scamming people. Uh, sometimes you'll also receive chain messages talking about uh, a certain number of people being uh, being found dead or being stabbed or being murdered. 
And some of these are fake news, to be honest with you. And for someone who uh, perhaps is not an expert in the journalism industry or is not an expert in the content uh, producing or content creating industry, it can be very easy for them to believe whatever they read, whatever they come across. Because sometimes you see people having conclusions and just posting everything on social media only to find out it's fake news. I mean, a few weeks ago, uh, it was said that uh, a musician, Amifaku, passed away, which was not true. And some people did, did believe that. I also saw uh, her trending uh, with most people saying, rest in peace to Amifaku, which was not true. It was fake news. And it got me thinking, how do I, as someone who's not an expert in the journalism industry, as someone who's not an expert in the content creating industry, differentiate from fake news and genuine news. How do I tell her whatever it is that I'm reading right now, it's fake. It's not real. Is it simple though? I don't think it's simple at all, Avi. And I think that's the scary part of where all of this is going. Um, so I think the best that you know you can do as a consumer of news or information um, is to have, I think, a broad collection of um, news sources so that you don't fall prey or reliant um, to, you know, popular publications, which are not in, in, in all cases um, or in some cases verified. So try to follow a variety of news publications. And even in that variety, try to follow, um, I think, a larger concentration of well-known publications. So even though we're seeing potentially a decline um, in you know the the reach of traditional media houses, I think many of them still have um, a presence even in the digital and social media world. And for as long as that information is still accessible, if it won't be banned going forward um, due to the evolution evolution of this proposed law, I think those at the same time could also serve as a fact check or mitigant against you know, any sensationalized or popular breaking news that may not always be from a reliable source. So trusted media houses that have a track record, that have been around for some time, that have journalists who are verifiable um, and contact information that's verifiable uh, could be another way to sort of second check any information that you see trending on a social media platform. Mm. Um, so I think over time, it's important for the user of information um, from a digital or social media platform to gain digital skills, um, in, in, as has been mentioned, to sort of um, sift out information that seems reliable versus information that's not reliable. And also the same goes actually on the other side for journalists. Um, I think journalists... Um, probably in order to stay relevant in this new wave of digital information, need to acquire the relevant digital skills to make sure that their particular publications um, are accessed by the right people and are not drowned out by the likes of fake news. And there are various tools for them, I think, to potentially do that over time. And similarly, media publishers need to adopt more digital um, operating models to make sure that their information is competitive 
on the on social media platforms and the likes with other information from other sources so that their information does not disappear um you know amidst the popular fake news that we might see trending on some of these social media platforms and i think if if that can essentially be adopted as a new operating model of the media industry going forward uh we should have less to worry about in the future about you know the the reliability of information and news that comes through the internet Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, Kevin, I'll also have to agree with you on that because growing up every Sunday, I would see my parents going to the nearest small town to purchase newspapers such as Sunday Sun, Daily Sun. And recently, I mean, every information is at the touch of an app. Uh, we also have seen uh, certain uh, media platforms and media industries and sectors retrenching from cosmopolitan uh to uh daily maverick uh they did return retrain some of uh, uh their employees because i mean every information right now or if not every but most of the information is at the touch of an app would you say uh, this has been a wake up call to the print industry and are we ever going to get to a point at a stage where paper print would not exist anymore do you think uh, perhaps in the next 10 to 15 years, our children would not even know what a newspaper is, would not even know what a magazine is. So I, th- I think it's um, perhaps difficult to predict what exactly will happen with print media. Um, but I think what is clear from you know the information that's in the public arena at this point in time is that there is definitely a decline in in demand for print media um, in relation to newspapers and magazines, etc. So I think what we're seeing in terms of growing popularity of information being, you know, at your fingertip on an app, being on a mobile device or on your laptop, I think is definitely a wake-up call. Um, for the print media industry. And the sooner more and more print media sort of publishers um, start to think about how to digitize their information and how to make it accessible to digital information consumers, I think um, the better um, the, the transition will be and also the more guaranteed the survival will be um, of these um, print media publishers because it's quite clear with all the information around us that that's the new direction of information um, in the foreseeable and also in the long-term future. So I think anybody who is in the print media space, as is evidenced by some of the companies that are actually starting to close down um, in this industry, needs to really seriously think about how to digitize their publications. Um, because I think this is definitely going to become a new norm for the consumption of information and news um, from the media industry. Mm. And Kevin, I think uh, that ultimately answers our main question for today's Tech Insights. Will social media continue to be a main source of news in the future? And I agree that, yes, it will continue to be a main source of news in the future with most of us 
relying on social media uh, for news. I mean, I also came across a platform uh, on Forbes, um, a news platform, and uh, it was said that, well, social media is becoming a main source of news with more than 2.4 billion internet new users. And out of uh, the 2.4 billion internet users, 64.5% receive breaking news from Facebook. Mm. This uh, should uh, indeed be a wake-up call to the aspiring journalists, to bloggers, and also content creators. Kevin Simogerere, thank you so much for joining us right here on VFM 88.1. Today's Tech Insights indeed was a wake-up call, and uh, it was uh, one of uh, those lessons that one should take and uh, use as an advantage to uh, get more information. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1. Or streams by www.varfm.co.za.